turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. It's Morgan. If you haven't yet hit subscribe, today the theme of the episode is going to be living a solutionary lifestyle, focusing on your habits and controlling your controllables. Things are pretty crazy right now. I get a lot of questions about how do you stay sane, and the fact that that's the most frequent question I'm getting lately is uh, concerning. So I figured we could do a few episodes on this topic. I'm going to kind of touch on the surface level of a few of these questions. And then I truly think that the questions that I'm going to answer today could each be answered in more detail in their own episodes, but I just want to put more thought and planning into them. So just bear with me. Let's get on into it. But of course, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, Mike Lindell with MyPillow is launching the MyPillow 2.0. When Mike invented MyPillow, it had everything you could want in a pillow, and now nearly 20 years later, he discovered a new technology that makes it even better. The MyPillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of the original MyPillow, and now the brand new fabric that is made with a temperature-regulating thread. The MyPillow 2.0 is the softest, smoothest, coolest pillow you'll ever own. For my exclusive listeners, the MyPillow 2.0 is buy one, get one free with offer code MORGAN. MyPillow 2.0 temperature regulating technology is 100% made in the USA and comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Go to MyPillow.com and use promo code MORGAN. That's MyPillow.com, promo code MORGAN. Thank you very much. Okie dokie. So today during breakfast, uh, Bryant let me know about what was going on with the January 6th tapes. That's how out of touch I am lately in what's going on. The last thing that I heard was that Tucker Carlson had been given access to the January 6th tapes. Finally, Republicans have been given a little bit of power because we won the House in the 2022 elections. And so they're getting access to things that the Democrats were kind of hiding from them. So that's why we're seeing more and more news stories that make it seem like we're having wins, but are we really? So we're having breakfast today and, and Bryant was showing me the Tucker Carlson footage that he aired on his show recently that was basically showing the January 6th protesters, including the Q guy with the horns on his head, and he wore like the big fur hat. He was basically brought throughout the Capitol by the police. So they made it seem like he was the ringleader, like he had charged into the Capitol building. And then they have all those pictures of him standing in the Senate. And it just... It looks so aggressive with all the pictures and all the the narrative that they've spun. But now, thanks to Tucker Carlson showing us on his show and walking us through the footage, it's clear that the officers were escorting him and even trying to open doors, but were, you know, in the footage, opening their door and it's locked. And so they're like, all right, let's try another door. That's definitely not fitting the narrative that the left has been pushing at us. We are in a wild age of propaganda so, by the way, Bryant will be on more episodes, but I have some some questions that I just wanted to answer that are kind of more girly, so I didn't want to make him sit through this. So that's why he's not on today. But we're sitting there at breakfast, and it, of course it's infuriating to watch the January 6th footage. Of course it's frustrating to see 
The people that said, you know, those people walking around the Capitol should be shot. Tucker Carlson shows people on the leftist talk shows saying that they deserve death or that they deserve life in prison, all this stuff. And then he plays the footage of the police actually just walking them around from door to door, trying to help them get into more and more precious places in the Capitol. So it's infuriating. Is it a win for us? To me, on one angle, I'm I'm sitting there eating my breakfast like, uh, I don't feel anything about this right now. I don't even think we've won because I look at that, and I'm sure you guys look at that, and you go, yeah, we knew that that was the case. So nothing really new happened. It's similar to COVID where we, we, we know it was leaked from a lab. We know all of the facts, and we know that we've been right on this. Just because information is out now that furthers our case, it doesn't really change how I feel about it because I've known this and I've just been frustrated that the establishment and the regime have been lying about it and spreading propaganda about it, making us seem like the bad guys and the liars. So it's frustrating and to see it, I feel kind of desensitized to it of like, yeah, the thanks, I guess, like it's been almost what, two years now? It's been two years now, and I feel completely desensitized to the topic, even though we now have proof that we were right all along. So I, I get to that point, and then I go, am I letting the left win? Am I letting the bad guys win? Because maybe they were like, you know what? After two years, if we give them the footage and they release it, maybe they're just going to be so worn out they're not even going to care. Maybe we're going to be able to get away with this because people like Morgan and people like the people that listen to Morgan's show and the people that care about this stuff, they're going to be so desensitized and frustrated with it and so disheartened that they're just going to let us get away with it at this point. And who on our side is really there to hold them accountable? We have hearings now, finally, because the Republicans have control of the House. But what happens after a hearing? Will will Fauci for COVID ever be held guilty for all of the things that he's done? Probably not. Will people be held accountable for spinning false narratives about January 6th? Probably not. And so, again, it leads people like us to be like, all right, so where can we have solutions in our lifestyle? Should we care or should we just dismiss this because those people are crazy and there's no way to bring positive change in that section? So that's where we're at is like I feel as if, you know, what, I'm going to focus on what I can control in my life. But then I'm also like, wait, maybe that's what they wanted. They wanted people like us to say, it's such a mess down in D.C. It's such a mess at the federal level. Let's just let go of it and not even care anymore. And then they'll get away with what they did. So I wrestle with that. But that's what I was feeling. And then when I put the Q&A section up on the show today or on my Instagram story for the show today, I noticed that there were a ton of questions about January 6th of like, how does it feel? Are you happy that the footage is finally out? I mean, you guys, we knew what the footage would show. You know what I mean? Like, that's why I saw it. And I was like, yeah, that's what I expected. Same thing with with COVID with the lab leak. Like, yep, that's, that's exactly what we thought. That's exactly what we were thinking would be on the footage. And now we just have it in our hands, which is technically kind of nice. But with those basic January 6th questions, were also people saying, Things like, how do you not lose your mind with all the things in our country that are going wrong right now, right? It's it, it's kind of, it's not kind of, it's disturbing what is happening. We have a completely open border. And now, not only in the South, but you have illegal immigrants that went up to Canada that are now coming from Canada 
illegally across the border once again because they want to be in America. They don't want to be stuck in Canada. And so now, who would have thought my home area of upstate New York is having to deal, the Border Patrol, having to deal with illegal immigrants crossing through the mountains? That's the thing. Good luck with that. These are tiny little towns, and you have the Adirondack Mountains, and there are feet of snow on the ground here. So I don't understand... (laughs) what they think they're going to do right now. But I think as the snow starts to melt, as things start to get warm, we're about to see a really serious issue on the northern border. Who would have thought that upstate New York or these northern border towns on the Canadian border of all places would have to deal with illegal immigrants from south of us, south of our country? It's it's crazy how we've gotten there. You see things like Afghanistan and you thought, you know, they are not going to get away with this. The, the people at the top, the people in the military, they're not going to get away with this. They aren't going to get away with with what they're doing with COVID. They aren't going to get away with the Hunter Biden laptop story. But you guys, I mean, (laughs) they pretty much did. And now, even though we have confirmation of the laptop, we have confirmation that we were right with COVID. We have confirmation that we were right with January 6th. What does it actually mean in the end? And if you have story after story after story of this, people like you and me, who I would say are pretty common sense, we start to say, okay, so this issue looks like it's a little more than show up and vote on election day. And it looks like it's a little bit bigger than, you know, join your local Republican Party committee or donate to the Republican Party and we'll really win the next election. Or, of course, my favorite is call your representative today and have them vote a certain way on this piece of legislation. Because we're just so far away from that that even suggesting little moves like that is uh, an insult to the fact that we're facing the downfall of the republic, if you ask me. But that's a, that's a big step. When we see this and we, we see the classic solutions that are presented to us by the higher-ups, you know, the leaders of the Republican Party, the leaders of the conservative movement, all this stuff, we start to be like, all oh, right, I'm a little tired here. I give to the Republican Party every year. Maybe I door knock for them. I sign petitions. And at this point, I don't even trust the results of an election. What the heck are we supposed to do? And we also see the breakdown of culture, where if you send your kid to public school, not even public school, if you send your kid to any school where they're going to be surrounded by other children, there are so many decaying family units. There are so many corrupted minds at all ages that it's like if you let your kid into a social circle, it's not that just, oh, they're going to see something a little bad or hear something a little bad. They might come home and say the S word, S-H-I-T. No, no, no. They will be exposed to true evil. And so that alone, like taking the politics aside, the the culture and the corrupt behavior that we're seeing that is pure evil out there is also something that's just so stinking troubling to me. When you see all these things, it can be a little intimidating. And I get it that that's probably leading to the the many, many questions that I get of how do you stay sane in a moment like this? I'm not telling you that I'm staying sane. I feel fury almost like my my face got hot today watching the tucker tucker carlson segment with brian and we're looking at this beautiful scenery out the window as we're having breakfast and it's a peaceful calm morning i'm trying to sip my coffee but in my soul i can feel my entire body and my face getting hot from the immense frustration of it all and it's a reminder for me of like wait this is why i stopped looking at the news so, so much. I think the first thing we can all do is stop watching the news. I know we all love our commentators, and I personally, I think Tucker's show is really great because he's one of the only people that really hits the nail on the head. 
and holds the establishment accountable, even on our side. I love that, but I don't watch it anymore. If a viral clip comes out of the episode or if it's something that I want to choose to go watch, I'll go search it and watch it. But I think what we should be doing most importantly right now is being as educated as possible on the topics as a whole instead of playing a part in the political industry of commentary, of watching and watching and watching and consuming, because this is really a market. They're trying to sell us, they're trying to sell views and they're trying to get ad dollars. And so they're trying to hype it up and they're trying to freak us out. And that's just what is going on right now. So two things can be true at the same time. And this is what Brian and I were coming up with is on one hand, you have political media on both sides that hypes things up beyond belief because they thrive on the views and the money that comes in. And so, yes, when you come to the understanding that like, all right, this is not going to be some boring black and white article that I'm reading on the Internet. This is a news show with bright red breaking news graphics and all this stuff because they want to capture our attention. I get that. When you understand like, all right, they are going to go from story to story to story. They will cover Afghanistan one day and then they will completely forget about that after about a week because the vaccine mandate will come up and they've got to cover that. And then uh, a train explodes in some middle American state. And so they've got to cover that. And it's just end of world story after end of world story. And so many people can look at that and say they're just trying to hype us up. And in many ways they are because a lot of the stories they do cover are unnecessary. However, You've got that where you got like a money-making machine. You're trying to be a political media, right? And they're trying to beef up stories. But at the same time, we cannot just downplay the fact that some serious things that honestly do deserve bright red flashing graphics on our screens, they are happening. Those things that are happening are not all easy to dismiss. They aren't all easy to be like, oh, they're just trying to beef up Trump versus DeSantis. I get it. If you see that and you see people pitting each other against each other and you see the negativity, turn that screen off. But perhaps we shouldn't just look at all of it and say, ah, it's just a political show. They're all just trying to make money off of us and sell us a crisis. Because, I mean, you guys, we have a president that's sold out to communist China. We have communist China becoming more and more powerful, saying they're going to bring our downfall, but they're going to do it over a long period of time. You have both ends of our border uncontrolled and wide open. You have millions, billions of our dollars going over to Ukraine after pretty much it all being proven as some big corrupt money laundering scheme. And you have the complete downfall of American culture all happening at the same time. Oh, and we don't trust the outcomes of elections. So we need to bring discernment to these situations and understand what is worth our time, what is worth our discourse, what is worth our mental power and strength, and what is something that we could just easily turn away from and say, this is, this is not worth our time. Once we get to those bigger issues, then you can look at the solutions and how do a lot of those solutions come? I'm a big believer when you look at human history, it doesn't take a massive majority of people to bring political change, cultural, societal change in a nation, in an area, whatever it is. It's usually a strong, steady, passionate, consistent minority of people. And what did our founders specifically do in this country? They built it so that the minority would still have political power. They didn't want us to be ruled by a completely 
nonsensical majority that is driven by emotion and culture and worldly things. They wanted the ability for a minority that might be in counterculture, that might not be popular, to still have a say and to not be oppressed. Now, back then, a minority might all get demolished in a war or get taken out or removed from the government system, and it would be quite violent. But nowadays, it's it's a lot safer to be in political discourse and to disagree with each other, and that's largely thanks to the structure that our founders created. But when we consider, okay, so minorities often can be victorious when they are trying to bring generational cultural societal change, then what does that mean? It goes to education, to raising of children, to the strength of families, to the strength of community, to the leaning on faith, and of course, to the involvement of the citizenry. It might seem like, Morgan, you talk about this way too much, you got to give it up, but that really is the answer. And it's not a fun answer because it's just not a cool meme. You know what I mean? But it really is, if you're just consistent, the way to do it. It's not a flip of a switch and all of a sudden we all get to witness massive political change. Perhaps it's that we are an in-between generation. We were the generation that was intended to realize Wow, the people that came before us and the people in power now are absolute messes. And for quite some time, even by our own side, we were tricked into believing that our side was good. I mean, Republicans, I thought we were the low tax, low spend, small government side. Oh, wait, you're telling me that that debt and taxes and government spending increased under them as well over the last 30 years? You're saying both sides were just as bad? So we have a lot of unlearning, relearning to do, too. But perhaps our generation, we weren't made for being the generation that brought the actual change directly. Perhaps we were the ones that were supposed to just realize what had gone wrong and then begin to plant the seeds for what's to come. Maybe we're going to be, I mean, I'm 26. Maybe we're not supposed to be the change generation and we're supposed to be the parents or the grandparents of the change generation. And no one likes to hear that. I think that's the thing. No one likes to hear that. And so instead of looking at it as a generational solution of, wait, maybe I was made for such a time as this because it's my duty to raise better children. And when you consider how many patriots are out there, if we all did this, we would be able to have positive change because it's actually quite a large number of people that would be born and properly educated and raised and become intentional citizens. They look at it and they say, oh, well, because I can't do anything right away and everything's just so corrupt and ruined. It just means the country's gone. It just means the republic's over. Or it just means that I'm going to give up because there's no positive change that could come. And I almost think that's selfish. It's almost prideful of like, well, I don't get to be the the true direct hero in the arena. And so I don't want to take part in it. I'm not going to get to be a part of that revolutionary moment of thought and heart. And so I'm just going to give up. But it's like, Maybe if we just set that desire for us to be the ones aside, then we could see that there is a bigger play happening. So that's where my heart is at. and becoming more comfortable and excited about that. Instead of like, oh my gosh, what is happening? We are screwed. It's more of like, okay, we need to see ourselves less in this as the solution and see more of, okay, what's the big vision here and how do we play a part in it? That being said, 
That leads me into wanting to talk about controlling our controllables. I found quite a few questions that are relating to this. And again, I I should warn you guys, in March, I'm going to do my last round of episodes like this. And I just want to make some personal changes and with my career and my job and everything. And so I think I'm going to do less weekly episodes and more topic focused. I just am feeling called to that. And so I don't really want to announce like what that looks like or anything because I'm trying to work on it. And I really want to enjoy the work that I'm doing. So I want to keep it kind of a secret and and plan and stuff. And then I'll I'll talk more about it. But I think each of these topics that we're going to discuss today could become their own topic focused episodes in the future. And specifically, I want them to be a guide for the younger people because a lot of people are like me where We've been through a lot of that raising, the education phase, the seeking career phase, and now I'm 26 and I'm, you know, in a transition period. And a lot of us are in that or have already transitioned and now they're, we're the older ones. And so I want my videos to serve all ages, but especially for the young ones as they come up because there's so many mistakes and narratives that are pushed onto them and then they have to make them, they have to learn those mistakes. And of course, I think you have to learn your own experiences and mistakes and lessons, but If I could help you avoid some of them, if we could help the youth avoid going down the dark paths that society and culture push them on and get them on a strong path from the start, I think we'll be very, very wise to do so. So that's kind of where I want to be heading. Beheading. It's like beheading, like the French Revolution. Okay, that's where I want to be heading. So if the theme of these next questions are controlling your controllables, the first one that I wanted to address that I got from someone was, what are some ways to handle ideological or political differences within a romantic relationship? Now, again, I think this could be a whole episode, so I'm probably going to make one in the future. But if you guys haven't listened to the episodes of Brian and I, we did the last couple of weeks of episodes together. We had such a fun time. And what I noticed is that as this is my view on it, as a man versus a woman, our perspectives on this were just a little bit different and it kind of showed how important this topic really is. Now, there's a big difference between having political differences with someone in the sense of like, you know, one of them likes DeSantis, one of them likes Trump, and you guys can't really get on the same page, but you're both conservative, you both agree on literally everything, and you just have fun little couple debates and argue it out sometimes. That's fun, okay? It's totally fine to be different. You also don't have to be the exact same person as your significant other. I think that's really, really crucial. But you at least have to be wanting to go on the same life journey together. You know what I mean? A a frequent story that I tell often is like, if you are somebody who wants to end up like Hannah from Ballerina Farm, and you're in a city dating a city guy that wants to live in a high-rise apartment one day as his home and send his kids to the local private school, what are you doing? You guys may feel a lot of love for each other. You may feel a lot of emotion for each other. But if you don't have the same life vision and life goals as each other, then there might be a little bit of a situation. And when we talk about political views, ideological views, or even your faith views, those all play a part of who you are, what your values are, and how you vote what you think the relationship is between government institutions, the U.S. government, your state government, your local government, your schools, and you and your family unit. So how do you think the government's relationship with you, your kids, your you and your husband should be? I personally have strong views on this, right? Because I'm Morgan. This is what I do. The Bible says this, and it's not just a biblical thing. I really believe this, that you have to be equally yoked. You have to see 
and have the same worldview, the same lifestyle vision for you and your husband and your family because you're trying to build a life together. And if you guys don't agree on crucial things of like, do you cherish kids and want to have kids and have a strong home life? Or what if they don't want to have kids? What if you don't believe in educating your children in the same way? What if you don't raise children in the same way? These are fundamental core things, and they can often be different between conservatives and more liberal people. So addressing more of the lifestyle things that can relate to political views are really, really important. And as we get into more dangerous and dangerous times, it is crucial to be on the same page for the important political things. I do not mean that if somebody says they voted for somebody on the other side of the aisle, you have to just abandon them. But you should more so learn about them and understand why they think the way they think, why they want those people in power, because it matters. Specifically, my mind goes to education, to children, to parental rights, and to vaccinations and things that happened with COVID. I couldn't possibly be interested in a man that would submit to the government in terms of being willing to shut down his business for a year because the government told him to, being willing to wear a mask in public constantly even after the science came out, be willing to get the vaccine, the other vaccine, the booster, the booster, the booster, and then when it comes out that it's on the childhood vaccine schedule, say, well, honey, it's time to take our infant, or even if you're pregnant and he wants you to get a vaccine. I would be horrified at somebody who I think should lead the family unit, the man, thinking that that is acceptable for the government to do because I wouldn't feel safe. I would want the man to stand between me and a tyrannical, authoritative government. You know what I mean? It's just not going to happen. And so I thought it was interesting with Bryant when we were talking on the podcast because for me, I am like fist on the table. I would never, ever date someone or be interested, especially in marriage with someone, if they didn't have the same views or even more intense views in terms of the relationship between us, our family, and the government. If he is not radically passionate about freedom and independence and protecting our family and our parental rights and our children from the government, then uh, 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 it's not for me. Whereas Bryant, he's like, well, He like kind of was like, okay, Morgan's really intense on this. I was really intense on it. And he was more of like, well, yeah, it would would be really nice to have the same views on all of these things. But to him, it wasn't high top priority. And I think that's because in a man, they're looking more for that nurturing woman and those qualities. Whereas for women, we're looking for the leader of our family and the leader of us and our children and the protector of the family. And to me, I think that's why it's so important for me to look for in a man. And for a man, it's like, Well, yes, it's important, but what are her abilities in terms of being nurturing and raising the children and bringing that kindness and that that feminine spirit to the house? So I did think that that was an interesting difference between us. But do you see what I mean of, you know, it's okay to to bicker about politics. and, And of course, I don't think you should let politics get in the way of you and your love. But when it comes down to the important stuff, please do not build a family unit with someone that you are not equally yoked with because things are about to get weird and you want a partner that is going to be there and not only that but be able to lead and stand with you when things get worse because they will that's one of the ways you can control your controllables okay 
Now, another one that I got is what is your daily schedule like? How do you manage everything without feeling overwhelmed? And this kind of played into the fact that a lot of people are feeling a lot of stress these days. And so, again, I want to answer this in greater detail in its own episode. But I thought that this would kind of give you guys an understanding of how I became more aware and really started to dedicate more of my time in my day to what I would say are the things that truly matter. I have... Since college, I had my first job in advertising, and then if you haven't listened to the episodes yet where I've explained how I got into the work I do now, I had one nine-to-five job, and I quit it within a year because I just am not about that life. I did not want that for me and my family. I wanted more of a work-life balance because I just always assumed, okay, we basically need a two-income household in America these days. It's very hard to not do so. So while I'm single, I'm going to try and become an asset for my future marriage, for my future family unit, and find ways that I can earn money and have a career that doesn't require me me to be outside of the home. So I went on this little journey, and I found all these different things, and I've, I went into commentating. I have a nonprofit. I have my flag business, and I do a bunch of other like fun political contract kind of stuff. So With that, I knew that I would be able to take on more contracts or release myself from some of the contracts as I took on more family responsibility and moved into that. And now I'm 26 and I've been able to do that and it's been super duper fun. The problem with that, though, is my entire day is up to me, right? I am self-employed. So what my day looks like can either be super uh, sloth-like and that's not good. It says so in the Bible. It can be very lazy and I get nothing done and I don't really encourage myself to go outside or anything like that and I don't talk to anybody. Or it can be full of vibrancy and it can be full of energy and activity and learning. And it kind of reminds me of like being in public school versus being in a homeschool setting where you have so much freedom. So for me, I had a problem before I was really awakened to the fact that a lot of this is all a scam And I would wake up, I would be so stressed out with the tasks that I felt I had to do that I would drink my morning coffee and eat my breakfast and have my laptop open at the breakfast table, getting all of it done. And then I would be so consumed in what I now consider to be busy work that I would lift my head up and look around and realize that it's like 2 p.m. in the afternoon and I have done nearly nothing that I wanted to do in terms of like, I'm still in my pajamas and yeah, maybe answered all my emails and stuff. And I feel like I've gotten ahead, but I have not even brushed my hair. I need to go wash my face. And it's now the afternoon on Monday. And I would just feel so disoriented. And it's because I didn't have a clear plan for each day. I would just kind of start each day and then go about my to-do list of like, well, I got to get this done, this done, this done. And I ended up not working out. I ended up not having good meals. I ended up not reading my Bible. And so then I would get sleepy at the end of the day and I would maybe read my Bible at night with my eyes like, you know, like when you're like falling asleep and reading and so you're not actually reading it, you're kind of like skimming the pages. That became unacceptable to me. And that was how for a long time I was going about it. So, mm -mm. but I would do all this and I would just kind of be like, well, I'm in a transition phase and I'm excited to be in the family phase one day. I'm excited for all that stuff. But what really changed for me in terms of having a better schedule and having a healthier balance, it's when I decided, you know what, (laughs) I don't really like this phase. I don't like how my entire day is just focused on laptop work. And I don't like how at the same time as I'm all stressed out about this laptop work, how I'm consumed by my screen and by doing all these tasks that it's like, what am I even achieving with them? 
I'm not living a healthy lifestyle. I'm not getting proper meals. I'm not learning anything. I feel kind of stagnant mentally. I'm not reading the books that I used to read, and I'm not reading my Bible. Like I just felt like I wasn't reaching the the marks on really anything, but I was certainly getting my laptop work done, right? Because I was so stressed out in the morning. It's just I have this mentality of like, do, do, do. And if I'm not doing something, I get really fidgety. So I had that that feeling, but I just was excited to maybe get out of that one day. And I figured one day I'd have a family and kids and a home and a homestead. And I just had to keep working for it, right? But I decided that the stress of all of this, on top of the worldly stress of politics and the constant disappointment that I was feeling by looking at the news and by seeing everything, it just wasn't a healthy balance. And I started to be like, well, what even what even is the meaning of this all? Why are we here? Why do we work? Why do we earn money? Why do we try and reach people? What is the purpose of all of it? And why do I keep telling myself that I've just got to get through this phase and just hustle right now and then I'll be able to relax? Like, why can't I make this more enjoyable and enjoy every day for the simple things? And I think a lot of us are are coming into this mindset now of like enjoying simplicity, enjoying slow living. And even though we might be uh, not, I'm not like a hustle mentality or anything, but like I like to do things, right? I like to accomplish things. I don't like to sit still. And so that often leads me to have anxiety over getting my to-do list done and getting everything done. And that means I end up only like working on my laptop all day, not getting more soul food kind of stuff done. A lot of us are starting to challenge ourselves to get out of that weird hustle mindset. And I'm really glad that I have. So when I realized that it's up to me to add healthy activities and to really balance out my schedule and that it's really no one else's fault but myself, that was a really exciting phase for me because I, I realized, to be honest, I was like, you know, I always read about homemaking and I read about hobbies and I read about what I'm going to do one day on my homestead. But I decided, you know what, just because I don't have kids and just because I don't have a husband and just because I'm like here alone in my little apartment, it doesn't mean that I can't be a homemaker for myself. And so for guys, it's a different angle. Like I get that the man versus woman perspective here might be different, but I decided that I was going to become a homemaker for myself. And so I started to, first of all, do the things that I told myself I would do in the future when I was out of this phase. I started meal prepping and doing like new recipe attempts. I had a new appreciation for food. I was constantly learning and I ended my day and then got excited about what I was going to do after work in that way. I also learned new projects and started building things with my hands and doing crafts and things that added life to my little apartment, my little home, because it's like I I'm still a valuable person. I am myself and I need to take care of myself too. Like I'm so excited to get into the future phase of serving others, serving my family that it's like, wait a second, maybe I could just practice and enjoy living that lifestyle, but just with myself. And on top of that, I realized, okay, it's also up to me to add spice to my day and to discipline myself in the art of not getting right into my screen and my laptop. And so I looked into and I made a little list of like, what are things that I kind of know, but I actually, if I was put alone out on a pond, would I be able to do all of the fishing things that I usually do with my dad? If I went to a gun range alone, would I be able to actually set everything up and practice with proper drills and everything by myself? Do I know the things that if I'm with other people or if I'm with my dad or whatever it is, like, I, of course you could do it because you can always just ask your dad to fix your line or whatever it is. But like, would I be able to get my own stuff and go out on my own and do it? 
And so it became a fun learning experience of like, what the, or what are the things that I want to learn? So basically, I used to have that obsessive lifestyle of grind, 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 open screen, and be completely frustrated by the world around me, and then close my screen at the end of the day and feel like I had nothing in my day but that kind of work in politics. Then I realized, you know, I'm going to positively make changes and I'm going to add things to my day that make life more vibrant and also include self-improvement. So I kind of made like a little chart of like used to, then I, now I. So given all of what I just said, now my day is so much more different. I basically wake up, I make a nutritious smoothie, a nutritious breakfast and coffee, and I sit down and I dedicate an hour to reading slash doing Bible study. And I don't really like, people do Bible study a little differently in reading, but I don't really like to structure myself. I'm more of a logic and history and story. And so right now I'm reading the Bible from cover to cover. And that's a really helpful way for me to learn, but there's also other ways to do it. And once I've done my reading of dedicated time, not just rushing through to say like, okay, I did my chapter for the day. No, I read and make it enjoyable. If I want to read more, I just keep reading. If I feel like, okay, I think I actually read a short amount but got a big lesson today, then I'm like, I feel like I'm complete in this and I'm going to close my Bible, I'm going to close my book, and I'm going to get started with my day. But I specifically don't rush through it. And it is hard, you guys. I, I feel like I shouldn't say this, but it is hard for me to not rush through something like that. And so that in itself is a little morning challenge. Then with my workout now, I specifically plan what I am going to do. I have more of a regimented plan. And because, you know, I'm in a situation right now where I'm up in New York a lot helping my family. So I'm in this cold weather. So it's kind of throwing me off. But when I was in Texas in my really warm environment, I would go outside for probably about an hour in the morning and I would either run or I would walk and then I would also lift. So I was getting a long amount of time outside and then I would come inside quick for the apartment gym and do like a quick lift and then I would be good. But then I intentionally shower, get ready, and then I'm ready to start my day and do all those things. And I would be able to be like in a sundress. Whereas in those like I used to phases, I used to wake up, be in sweats or like my pajamas and then sit at the coffee table doing laptop work and feeling so accomplished. And then at two o'clock, I'd still be in my sweats or pajamas and be like, well, what do I do now? Like shower and get ready in the middle of the day and then just take all this off in a few hours when it's time to go to bed again. So I just feel so much better now that I can do this. And it all starts, of course, with waking up early. So getting a proper amount of sleep. Those were the changes for me that just made a really positive thing. And then as well as that, because I am self-employed, I get that I am a little more free to do this, but I take a lot of breaks. Okay. I do a project and I pause for the cause and I'll do like a craft or I'll read or I'll just literally walk around and play with the dogs or whatever it is. But I take so many breaks. And I think that actually makes me more efficient because the work that used to take me quite a long time, you know what I mean? Like I would do those eight hour, nine hour days on my laptop. My screen time was crazy. Now it's like, all right, I know that I have to do these three projects today and I can get them all done in an hour. It's pretty wild, but I really, really am appreciating the discipline of adding breaks. Now, the next thing is that I stop working at a set time. I stop working at a set time pretty early in the afternoon And then the afternoon is dedicated to doing things either outside or an activity or reading 
or a physical project. I remember when I was in Arizona, I bought a new bow. I bought a bunch of painting supplies. I bought guns and I would go on gun lessons. I specifically made things that I was excited for. And not only that, but for the things that I wanted to learn, like I was mentioning earlier in my transition phase, there were things that I said, I have no idea how to do some things and I'm going to learn. So I started to save money each week because, hey, I didn't have anybody to spend money on. It's not like I had kids or anything and I'm just making money as Morgan. So I started to save money to one, buy books and then also to pay for lessons. So I paid for gun lessons. I did archery lessons at a range and I also did horse riding lessons. And so I would go once a week and I looked forward to it so much. It was a little, you know, it was the first time I ever just like spent a larger amount of money for myself, but it made such a difference. And getting that time to be a student and to like submit to a teacher in that way and to be like, listen, I have no idea. It's kind of awkward because I'm 26 or I was 25 at the time to allow yourself to be put in that vulnerable position of like, yeah, I guess I'm kind of good at the things that I do do, but I'm actually really sucky at a lot of the things that I have to just embrace the suckiness to learn. It made such a positive impact on me. So those lifestyle changes have made a positive, positive impact. And now I would say I am more productive than I was when I had an unhealthy schedule. I'm also physically healthier and mentally healthier from it too. Um, so those were the changes. I hope that helps. And I'll, I'll go more into detail in the future. And oh my goodness, I did not realize how fast time has flown in this episode. Looks like we're going to have to save these questions for the next episode. So if you haven't yet hit subscribe so that you get notified of when part two comes out, you guys, thank you so much for listening and for being interested in living a solutionary lifestyle, in focusing on the positive, in cultivating goodness. I really appreciate it. I love this project. I don't get paid from this podcast. I literally just add this to my day because it's fun and I feel like we all have our own ministry. We all have our own ways to cultivate goodness. But if just a few people get a positive impact from this even, I feel like I have at least done something in this mess of a situation that we all understand that we are in. Um, so again, please subscribe so that you can stay part of the community. Any women, if you want to join my Facebook group, Cultivating Goodness, then you are welcome to join. You just have to submit the application in the Facebook group page. And of course, a little shout out to Allie Rogers from my nonprofit. She just wrote a book, How to Teach Your Children About the Government. So if you are a homeschool mama or if you're a parent with kids in private school or public school, and you don't trust those teachers to properly educate your kids on a very important topic like government and civics, then please, please go to fightsocialism.org and you'll see in our downloadables, our ebooks section, that book is now available for free. So all you have to do is give your email and we will email you the free downloadable book, How to Teach Your Children About Government, written by Allie Rogers. She is fantastic. So thank you again for listening. We appreciate it and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.